Tennis Gambling Podcast and Sports Gambling Podcast now presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. The NFL kicks off this week and get ready for the season with 32 NFL team previews from the Sports Gambling Podcast. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash NFL previews today. And the free roll football contest is back and better than ever. $5,000 up for grabs in our NFL contest and $1,500 in our brand new college football contest. Sign up exclusively in our Discord, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Scott Reichel, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Sam Jacob. And together, we're going to talk about the U.S. Open for the semifinals. Can you believe it, Sam? We're about a week and a half in or so of this tournament. It's been a lot of chaos, been a lot of entertaining matches that end at 2, 3 a.m. We'll talk about a couple of them that ended up happening over the weekend, but or during the past week or so. But either way, Sam, how's it going with you? How have you enjoyed the tournament so far? Yeah, what a wild tournament we've been having. We've had players that have seen only a little bit of vulnerability beaten by the guys that can only beat them, and then they lose. We've seen Nadal not being full strength, losing to Tiafo um, in the five-set match, and we see Tiafo in the sem- semifinals. I mean, absolutely wild tournament we have here. Very exciting, though. Yeah, uh, definitely true. And to go through the semifinals once again, if you are not familiar with the matchups or if you need a refresher, uh, you have Rude against Kakanov. Kakanov being the extreme surprise right now because he was in the same region as Medvedev and Kyrgios. And yet Kyrgios beat uh, Medvedev in a match that hurt my wallet because I had the over and Medvedev completely fell apart in that fourth set, got broken twice in the first three service games and that was all she wrote so that was a bit of a heartbreak uh but Kyrgios came back and uh had a five setter against Kakanov injured his what exactly did he injure was it his hamstring was it his calf what do you what he hurt yeah I mean they were saying they were saying the hamstring then there was it, knee rumors and I don't really know what it happened. Was, it was the top of the leg towards the knee, but in the in the back area. But I don't think it was the knee. It looked like more of the uh, calf uh, calf strain to me. It, it was too low for a hamstring from what I saw. But um, I don't think it's been determined exactly what it was yet. Yeah, I don't know either. But either way, the point is Kyrgios got hurt early on. Then he ended up feeling better midway through the match. I don't know how much of it was gamesmanship or not. And went five. Kakanov just broke him immediately in the first game of the fifth set and held on from there as he won the final set. And then you had an even crazier match. So that match was already top tier because it was a five set or Kyrgios had his shenanigans, broke a racket or two after the match was over. And then you had a match of the best to next gen rivalry at this point by a wide margin with Sinner and Alcaraz. And Sinner had had Alcaraz's number this season beating him in Wimbledon in four and beating him in Umag in the title there. They played on hard court and Sinner was really up against it for a decent amount of the match early on, lost the first set, was in danger of dropping the second set as well, won the second set in a breaker. Then he was down a break again in the third, broke back with Alcaraz serving for the set and then won the tiebreaker 7 nothing. 
Then he served for the match in the fourth set and had a match point. Alcaraz broke him, then broke him again and won the set 7-5. Then Sinner was up a break in the fifth and Alcaraz broke him twice and Alcaraz won the final set 6-3. So if that sounds extremely exhausting, it was. It was a five-plus hour match. It's one of the best matches of all time. Alcaraz got it done. He finally exercises demons of beating his arch rival. Sam, you have any real takeaways from the match or just what it might cause moving forward with potential fatigue? Well, these these guys are both very, very young. Obviously, Sinner got knocked out, but you have Alcaraz, who's very, very young. While it did go the full five sets there, uh, he's able to come back pretty quickly because of his youth. I don't think fatigue will be so much of a factor. Maybe we'll see it only a little bit, but I really don't consider it when it comes to his next matchup versus uh, Tiafo. Um, so I, I really think that uh, it was a hell of a match, and it went. It, it was basically even for the whole for the whole thing. But I think Alcaraz is going to come out the same Alcaraz against Tiafo. Yeah, for me, I do have a bit more concern with Alcaraz because he also had a very thrilling five set match against Chilich in the previous round. So he's been on the court for like nine plus hours or like eight plus hours in his last two matches combined, and Tiafo has been coasting. He beat mm-hmm. Nadal in four. Uh, they were competitive four sets, but they weren't extremely grueling. And then he beat Rublev in straight sets, and I'm sure he was thrilled. He might have been sleeping for the most of that center match. I don't know. But the point is, I do think that there's definitely a rest advantage for Tiafo. The counterpoint is Alcaraz is the significantly better player, so you kind of have a trade-off there. But I just found that match incredible, and I don't think I could really use enough adjectives to actually describe the match itself it's one of the best matches I've ever seen. It's one of the best matches in U.S. Open history. I still think the Nadal-Medvedev final from a couple of years ago probably beats it because that was for a title. But five-plus hours. And I don't know how Sinner's legs didn't fall off because he went to a bunch of five-set matches earlier in the tournament, four-set matches as well. Seemed like he dropped the set in basically every match. He had a five-setter in the previous round against Avashka. And yet Sinner looked fit. It just seemed like Alcaraz eventually made enough big shots down the stretch. Sinner couldn't make enough first serves. And eventually Alcaraz applied enough pressure to Sinner service games that he broke them. But uh, yeah, uh, people want to claim that this is the coming out party for Alcaraz. I don't know what the hell that means. He's potentially number one in the world if he makes the final. So I don't know how that could be a coming out party when you're already ranked in the top five. I thought his coming out party was last year in the U.S. Open when he beat Sitsipas. Now, I know Sitsipas fell apart, but still, at the time, he beat Sitsipas in five. I thought that was his emerging moment. But to say that this is the moment where Alcaraz became a guy, he's number three in the world. What are you talking about? Am I missing something? Uh, I mean, I think it's because of what he has left to go here, and it's because he has to play Tiafo in the winner of Rudin Kachanov to win an actual major that he obviously has never done before. So I think it's really based off what his schedule is looking like in the future compared to really his performances uh, that he's had, because obviously he's played very well, but we know he has the ability to do to be that guy and put up those performances. So I, I don't think there is, we're really talking about how he's played more than what he has coming up for him and maybe a future title 
could be in his future very soon. Yeah, it definitely appears that way. I just find it weird that now it seems like the time where everyone is crowning him is like, is he actually this good? And it's like, yes. And even though I said that he's been overrated for a while, it's because he hasn't made a deep run yet. And now he has a, a really, really good draw moving forward. The fatigue's an issue, but he plays Tiafo and the winner of Rude and Kakanov. That's like the best case scenario possible. If you are trying to win your first title, you have no Djokovic, you have no Medvedev, you have no Nadal. I don't think Alcaraz could have asked for anything more. You? And now you don't even have Kyrgios. I mean, Kyrgios. No, Kyrgios. Kyrgios, really. I mean, I have something to say about that match. I mean, yeah, he he had that little calf strain or whatever you want to call it there, but obviously it wasn't a major problem because he was able to go five sets. He was taking off every single ground stroke, at least 50% of his power, and I don't really say that too much to the injury. I think that he his backhand was very, very inconsistent in the early sets. So he just decided, screw it. I'm going to make sure that this ball gets in and I'm going to challenge Kachanov to actually hit a winner. And that was his strategy instead of actually going full force because he kind of got a little turned off because of his failure with that early in the first couple sets. But I mean, I have only him to blame. His mentality was very, very weak for the first three sets. He decided after three games to yell out to his box, I don't want to be- play for this anymore. You just played for the number one player in the world, Medvedev, and beat him in four sets. How can you come off in the third game, the first set saying, I don't want to be here anymore? I mean, I understand if you have like, if you like get that way and you have that, little depression depression moment but this is what your career is all about i'm sorry if you're if you're not you can't get your head in the game after beating the world number one in the to get make it to the semifinals in the third game of the first set you might have to think about something else because that is absolutely ridiculous and it could have been because of the doubles the tough doubles match and i i understand that that could be a reasoning but this is what your career is me- meant to be this is what you're striving throughout your entire career you're driving for you're playing practices for with your coaches uh you're training for get your shit together i mean that's it's just ridiculous that he, that he did that i'm not going to say that he's a bad player he obviously has the talent to he had the talent to win this tournament it's it's just really sad to see that that can happen to such an elite guy like Nick Kyrgios. Yeah, and it was a great draw for him as well. I mean, once you beat the number one guy in your section, you should have a relatively easy role or, or road moving forward. And Kakanov has been a good hardcore player in his career. I don't think he's ever been amazing. I know he had a phenomenal run a couple of years ago to win a tournament. But besides that one Cinderella run at the time, I mean, he beat Djokovic handily, beat team. It's one of the best runs of all time in, uh, in a non-Grand Slam tournament. But besides that, he really has been quiet. He also has not been very good this year in general for Kakanov. Kyrgios was a hefty favorite in the match. He had a chance, and whether it was injury-based or not, he blew it. And you can talk about if that's fair or not, but at the end of the day, injuries are part of the sport, and he went five anyway. And he's got to suck it up and win. And eventually, you can have all the tantrums you want. You can be as heartbroken in the post-game or the post-match presser as you want to be. And it's fair because it's an emotional sport and you want to win. But at some point, you got to at least acknowledge the fact that if you're going to keep blowing chances, whether it involves self-inflicted implosions or various injuries or all the above, at some point, you got to hold them accountable. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's just sad to see, and he really does have the potential to be a Grand Slam winner. And in terms of talent, he's easily there. a top five player in the world, or top ten minimum. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I definitely put him at top five at this point. Um, it's that's just, ta- once again, that's talent. We're we're ignoring all the mental aspect, just solely based on the skills. Hundred percent top five. Hundred percent. That's not even a discussion. Five. Yeah, I mean, he was able to beat Medvedev like it was no nobody's business, but breaking him twice in the fourth set. Beat him I twice. Mean, it doesn't. That doesn't really happen. We don't really see that uh, for Medvedev to go down like that, especially. So, I mean, it, it was just a shame to see, and uh, he he has to really pull himself together. It, it doesn't really make much sense after beating Medvedev to go into that match and act like that. Yeah, but I know we do have two matches coming up, which we are excited to talk about, which will be taking place on Friday. But before we get into those two matches, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor. Thinking of joining WinBet? Now is the perfect time because new customers who bet $100 get a $100 free bet. If you're betting on baseball, then you have to check out WinBet for their reduced juice on baseball games, which makes them the best place to bet MLB. Plus, the WinBet casino is always open 24 hours a day where you can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. Win also just released their first quarterback with five touchdowns prop bet. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. The free roll football contests are here. College football contests, $1,500 up for grabs. And the NFL contest, $5,000 and a two-night stay at Win Las Vegas up for grabs. Sign up exclusively in our Discord, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. We're also brought to you by Elias. It's almost time for the start of the NFL season. And if you are very into sports betting or fantasy, you need a competitive edge to win. That's why I recommend the Elias Game Plan app. It's the ultimate sports betting and fantasy companion for the NFL, the NBA, and the MLB. Elias Game Plan is the only sports app for the most trusted name in sports stats. The Elias Sports Bureau, the official statisticians of U.S. pro sports leagues, including the NFL. The app is your one-stop source for player news, for expert game analysis and for player previews and the Elias game plan app is really exactly what I'm looking for when it comes down to finding information that a lot of people might not have on some unknown players but take my advice download the Elias game plan app today with new features available all the time take your game to the next level NFL season is here, so don't wait. Download the Elias Game Plan app today. And right now, I have a special offer when you subscribe. Get a 14-day free trial off a monthly subscription plan, but only if you use the promo code SGPN. Find Elias in the App Store or Play Store today and use my promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. We just finished breaking down some of the matches, the marathons that happened over the past week followed by a brief discussion about Alcaraz and Kyrgios, of course, from different sides of the coin because Alcaraz is in peak form and Kyrgios blew one of his best chances to win a Grand Slam. I know he played. I know he made the final. He played against Djokovic, who's one of the best grass court players of all time. 
I'll give him a pass on that one. But this one, for the sake of the draw, you beat Medvedev, you got to try to make, you got to at least make the semis. But either way, we're not going to go back into that whole discussion. Time to move on to the actual remainder of the tournament. But starting off with the actual outrights, just to go through those quickly, there's only four people. So we're not going to talk about many long shots, et cetera. Alcaraz is the favorite at minus 110. You have Casper Ruud at plus 300 as him and Alcaraz kind of compete for the number one ranking in the world based on how this tournament's most likely going to end. You have Tiafo at plus 450, and you have Kakanov at plus 650. First of all, Sam, since you do have Rude against Kakanov, and since Alcaraz and Tiafo might have another war, is there value on Rude or Kakanov, or do you just believe whoever wins the other match is just going to win the tournament? I th- I think it's very, very tough to say who's going to win this tournament at this point. Obviously, Alcaraz has the talent um, on his side compared he deserves to these to be other the three players. He definitely deserves to be the favorite. But what we've seen throughout this tournament, it's really, really tough, even when there's two matches left, to back a guy at minus 110 to win the entire tournament. So it- it's really, really tough to say who's going to come out and win this, win this thing. I mean, I, I think that uh, Rude has a better chance to move on to the final, and that will be discussed during the matchup between Rude and Kashanov. But uh, at plus 300 with Rude, I, I, I still can't even go there because I, I don't know exactly if who Rude is going to be playing in the final. So it's just, I think it's really, really tough to say. I'm, I'm going to stay away from the futures at, the, at this moment. Yeah, I'm not interested either. I was just bringing it up because, of course, there are markets available. So I thought it was worth talking about. I think it's fair. Alcaraz is roughly minus 110 or even money. It sounds right to me. You're assuming if he can overcome this match against Tiafo, he'll have a couple days off because they'll play on Sunday. So, or I'll have a day off. So the point is, you do expect him to use that to his full advantage. The main concern is against Tiafo in my eyes, because I think that he's talented enough, obviously, to beat Rude and Kakanov. If he plays Kakanov, he's going to destroy Kakanov. I don't think Kakanov has a shot in hell to win that match. Rude's interesting. But I don't think Rude's a good enough server. I just think Alcaraz would eventually wear him down. The main concern for Alcaraz is the immediate match following the five-hour marathon that ended at three in the morning. I think that's right. the main concern. So I I think you can make a case for Alcaraz. I guess the question is, if he beats Tiafo, let's say he faces off against Rude, what's the hypothetical money line there? Alcaraz minus 250? Yeah, something around there, yeah. So if you were to create a hypothetical parlay, just keep in mind that it's minus 110 uh, for Alcaraz to win the tournament right now. So if you would take Alcaraz minus 210 against Tiafo on the money line, and you would throw that into a two pick, and uh, we'll put the other leg, we'll put it at 240. Let's say 240. That two pick pays out at plus 109. So why would you even bother betting him to win the tournament at minus one ten? Yeah, I mean, there's it's there's no value unless he plays Kakanov because he'll be like minus four hundred or five hundred against Kakanov. I mean, I guess that's the point, right? Or right. if it's Kakanov, you're picking up value. But I think we're both going to pick Rude. We'll talk about that match first. Actually, I think it's only fair we save the Alcaraz match for last because that's the obviously the main uh, the main entree. And no offense to Kakanov and Rude. I think we can all agree that's the appetizer for the sake of these semis. So I'll start off with the actual Rude and Kakanov match. Ironically, the same exact odds. 
both ways. It's minus 210 on the favorite. Root is favored. Kakanov is the dog to go through the actual road for both players up to this point. Uh, Kakanov's had a pretty interesting tournament. He beat Kudla in the first round, then beat Montero, then, in my opinion, would have lost to Draper, but Draper got hurt in the third set, then beat Busta in a five-set thriller, and then beat Kyrgios in a five-set thriller. Meanwhile, you have Rude beat Edmund in straight sets, beat Van Rithoven in four, beat Tommy Paul in five, beat um, Mount, uh, beat Mutet in four, and then destroyed Berrettini in three. Embarrassing showing by Berrettini there uh, for the first hour and a half of that match. He probably should have lost the third set because Berrettini was up a break, but then he ended up choking it away. First of all, do you think fatigue plays a factor for Kakanov as well? Or no, because he had an extra day off since they had the other quarterfinal matches the day after. Um, I don't think it plays much of a factor. I'm really looking at this the skills and the matchup here and the and form of act the actual player at the moment. I'm not really considering fatigue right now because of that extra day. Uh, these guys have played uh, a nice amount of rounds of this tournament and really didn't waver too much in terms of fatigue. So I'm not going to play that as a factor. But what I I know we had a little debate on uh, the performance of Khashanov against Kyrgios, but I still think that I think Rude is just a better player. I think he's more consistent, and I really don't think Khashanov really has put up great performances and great wins here. I, I don't think he deserves to be really in the semifinal. I mean, he, he was able to get by, and that's what I think he's done. Just get by. Karina Busta, when he played him, went five. I think Karina Busta played some of his worst tennis in that second and third set. He also got he, hurt. He, had he a really just wasn't there. there. He really just wasn't there. Hurt, not hurt, whatever happened. He I think we wasn't. would agree, though, since he was taking painkillers and he saw the trainer a lot. I think it's pretty safe to assume that with the injury history as well, I don't think Busta was faking it. I, I, I'm not, No excuses, once again. Kakanov was the fitter player he won. But I think he also benefited from Busta having some serious physical issues in that second and third set. Right, right. That, that's that's what, what I'm basically yeah. getting at. Is, it's a compliment. No matter what it is, if it was injury or not, I'm, I'm not saying that he's faking it. That's not what I'm, my point is that he, the player wasn't fully there. Um, and I think that was the case for Karina Busta and Kyrgios uh, when they lost the, their their sets to Khashanov. Karina Busta, especially in the second and third set, and Kyrgios in the first and third set. So I just don't think he's put it up the greatest performance. I don't think he really is that guy to be able to be Casper Root at this point. And I think Casper Root is deservedly a minus 210 here. And I think he will win this match versus Kashanov. I think Root deserves to be a favorite of arguably this size. I think it's a little bit large. I probably would have put it closer to 170, 180 if I was pricing it myself. But I will give Kakanov more credit then you will. I understand your points about Kyrgios having some physical issues, and he clearly took some velocity off of his strokes after basically the first couple games, or the first set. But I thought Kakanov served extremely well in high-pressure moments. And yes, the first serve percentage wasn't exactly great if you're looking at the overall box score, but there were a lot of breakpoint chances that Kyrgios had in the middle stages and the final stages of that match. And it seemed like Kakanov hit all of the spots down the stretch. And I feel like that is where I'll give him props. There are a lot of big moments facing break point or having one break point. And it seemed like more often than not, Kakanov delivered in those moments. So even though his overall performance might not have been great, the fact that he was consistently solid 
in those high pressure points, I think definitely is worth at least a mention. No, I agree with you there. He definitely hit some great aces when he was down and, and Kyrgios had the advantage in that in a service game. Uh, he, he was able to serve his way out when he was under that pressure. But I mean, the rest of the, the rest of the time for the first three points of his service game, you were seeing a bunch of different faults. And like you said, it was 60% in the first service, which really isn't that good when we're talking in a full match that he has coming up against Casper Root. Yeah, it's definitely true. I was just looking at the overall high pressure moments when I was watching the match and it seemed like Takanov really responded to adversity quite well throughout that match. I agree with you, but what happens when he goes down double break point for Rude? What happens? Is he able to serve out twice and be able to ace him twice down the stretch when he needs to? I don't know. I we I mean I saw that uh when he was he had one point fa- when he was facing one point of a break for Curios, but I didn't really see that much when he was facing two break points. So I, I'm not I'm not so uh, sold on his serving if that comes if it comes down to that. Yeah, definitely true. And Rude does stand very very far off the court, and Kakanov doesn't really volley that much. So I do think that Rude should be able to do what he did against Berrettini, which is stand all the way back and just keep the ball in play. And I think we would agree that based on the quality of ground strokes, you have more faith in Rude's consistency over Kakanov's consistency from the baseline. Right. Absolutely. So, that's a, yeah, that's that's the whole point there. Yeah, but to go through the head-to-head, they played one time in 2020. It was on clay, so it's basically a worthless way to evaluate it, but uh, Rude did win in three sets, so they've never played on hard court. They have not played in roughly two years, so head-to-head's not really a factor here. To go through the lines once again, Rude's minus 210. I think he should be closer to 170, 180. I'm still picking him to win the match. I think Rude's going to win. I do think both players will win a set. I don't think Rude's going to coast. I think Kakanov will have moments in this match. I just think that Rude is eventually going to really just wear down Kakanov's strokes because of his consistency. We saw even against Berrettini, he was doing a great job at extending points and forcing his opponent to hit extra shots. And with Kakanov, that could be a bit dicey because we've seen his unforced error count sometimes skyrocket. And this is definitely the biggest match in Kakanov's career playing in the U.S. Open semis. Rude did make the finals of the French Open. Do you think nerves are going to play a factor? Because Rude should be the more comfortable player in this high-pressure match. Yeah, he's been here. He's been here before in a major, so he has the experience of actually being in this type of setting and in this moment. Uh, where Khashanov can't really say that as much. Um, I, I don't know if it's going to be nerves. I don't know what it's going to be, but I really think that just because of the quality of play that Rude is putting up and the form that he's in compared to Khashanov will be the clear factor here of why Rude, I think, will win the match. Yeah, I just think it's food for thought. I think it's worth bringing up. Fair enough. But either way, I'm trying to think of any other ways to discuss this match. Do you think that there's any chance either player wins in straight sets? Or do you just think that it's going four or five, but we think Rude eventually wears him down? Yeah, I think it goes four or five, and then Rude is able to win. Uh, just to put it out there, Hachanov to win a set is minus 245, so there's not much value there when it comes to the betting markets. But I do think that um, Rude will probably win in four or five. He won't be able it, Kishanov may be able to break him once in a set, and then he wins the set. But I think overall, Rude w- will wear him down, just like he said. Yeah, and we're going to go through a couple more props there. I'm assuming since we each like a set. Uh, do you like the over-under? Because it's 40 and a half, which 
ah, am I am I automatically picking a tie break in this match? Like, I don't, I don't think you're guaranteed a breaker. So it might sound a bit count. I, I it sound. I can't really think of what I actually like here for a total because I think it's going to only at least four or potentially five. So I guess I'm kind of leaning over, but would it shock me if Rude won in four sets and you kind of had a Tiafo and Nadal match where every set was 6-4? It wouldn't really surprise me. Uh, I, I don't really have any thoughts on the total, do you? Because I'm kind of lost here. It, it's one thing if you're expecting a breaker or two. I don't think that there's a guarantee you're going to get a breaker in any set. No, I don't think so either. I really don't think so. I think it's very, very dicey when it comes to the total here, especially when it's um, up there in the 40s. So uh, if I had to choose, I would go with the under, uh, to be completely honest, because there there is no guarantee of a tie break. And uh, from what we've seen from these players, it doesn't look like um, there. there's definitely no guarantee of a tie break. So if you don't have a tie break there, you need to go five, and I'm not betting that it's going to go five. Yeah. Uh, so I think I'm going to lean to the under. I'll take 41 and a half at minus 125. I don't feel great about it, but if I was going to take a total, I'd probably lean to the under more than the over. It could go yeah, either way. That's that's what I'm looking at, too. But anyway, time to pivot. Unless you want to talk about the spread. Maybe yeah, what, well, what about the spread? Yeah, let's talk, what, what's the spread? Are we say minus three and a half. I like that way more when it comes to um, the, the spread or the total. I like the three and a half or the minus two and a half, minus 145, three and a half, and minus 105. Uh, either one, I like way more than the over-under here because there's a good chance that Root can get two breaks in a set, which would put him right in the driver's seat to cover that spread if he does win in four sets. Yeah. Because let's just say they trade a set at 6-4, then you just need Casper Root to win one of them. If my, at minus two and a half, you just need one with a, a break and then a breaker. Uh, minus three and a half, you might need just one and a breaker also, depending on Rude, if Rude's serving first, or you just need two breaks. So um, if you don't like that juice, minus three and a half, minus 105, I like way more than having to be forced with that total there. Yeah, I think that's definitely a fair way to break it down. I, was, I just wasn't sure if you wanted to save some of the spread talk for the actual block and dog segment. I have to kind of like Rude, if I'm picking him to win the match, I think he will be able to win in probably four and you kind of touched on it. Do I see Kakanov winning a set 6-2? No. Do I see him winning 6-3? Maybe maybe if he serves first in a set. I don't think he breaks Root several times without being broken himself in one set. And I think Root could do that. I think Root could win a set 6-2 or maybe even 6-1 if Kakanov's strokes really fall apart. I just think Root's too consistent. And I think as a result, he's going to eventually wear down Kakanov and win and nerves might play a factor early on for Kakanov as well. So I'm looking at Rude either two and a half or three and a half. Four and a half at plus 120. Eh, I don't really know how great I feel about that one, but I am going to go with the three and a half here. I, I think Rude will. But yep, yep. I was just going to say, I, I think Rude has value with three and a half. Yeah, I see. I see an interesting one also um, as a, just the looking at the player props. Total games won uh, Hoshanov over under 20, which would mean if he wins a set. Um, even if he wins a tiebreaker there, so he w gets seven games there, he'd be in 13. And if you think Rude is going to win in four, then you have a, if you divide 13 by three there, you have around four or so. And that's not bad at all. If yeah, you that's, think a, that's really not that win, bad. If you think Rude's going to win the match and, and 
Kashanov wins the breaker that does happen within the match, then all you need is the 4-4-4, and you still win the total there. And if it does happen to go 7-5 in one of them, you do push. So that's not too bad there. I think the number sounds huge. In fact, the Groot is minus 210, and yet his total games prop is only one and a half higher than Kakanov. Does that yeah, make sense a, to you? It's, it's only at the 21 and a half. I'm just saying, I, I feel like the disparity between those two players should be larger if you have a minus 210 favorite. Yeah, it, I mean, I agree. That's why I, I, I had to bring it up. I saw that under 20. I think that's a little bit too high, that number, like you said. I would put um, it at 18 flat. Fair or enough. Maybe, maybe I mean, 18 and a half because you can argue for straight sets, but I think 18 and a half sounds more reasonable. Right, and, and you get a push at the 20, so that's it's very, very nice to not even have 19 and a half there. So I definitely think that's a good deal. When looking at Casper Ruud's 21 and a half, uh, you, I, I wouldn't go there. There's no really reason for it if you think Casper Ruud's going to win. Maybe if you think Kashanov's going to win, you can go. You could look at the under um, if you think he's gonna, Kashanov's going to pull off the win with four sets, but then you are just going for the money line, so it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, definitely true. But anything else you want to add on this match, or should we move on to the other no, one? No, let's move on. Okay, so, of course, you have the other one, the fun one, the match that everyone wants to talk about. No offense to Kakanov and Rude, but you have an American in the U.S. Open, and you have the most entertaining young phenom left, and they're against each other. So that's clearly going to be the most viewed match out of the two. Not even close. But you have Alcaraz a minus 210 as well against Tiafo To go through the actual paths for both players, Alcaraz had an early go of it for the first couple rounds. Then the difficulty got ramped up to 11 because he won straight sets in each of the first three matches, then went five against Chilich in a match that took uh, three hours and 53 minutes. And then he went up against Sinner, and that's one of the best matches of all time. And he ended up winning that one in dramatic fashion. And the match was five hours and 15 minutes. So Alcaraz made it with back-to-back five setters. Meanwhile, Tiafo has really been coasting uh, to go through his tournament. He's dropped one set. He beat Giron in the first round, then beat Kubler, beat Schwartzman. Should have dropped it at least a set to Schwartzman, but we're not going to talk about that because Sam's a little salty about that match. Uh, he won in four against Nadal, and then he beat Rublev in two tie breaks and a 6-4 there. Rublev, by the way, 0-6 in Grand Slam quarterfinals. He's lost in straight sets five times. Not That's good. That's, That's not good. But Tiafo got it done. Uh, he even skunked Rublev in that second tiebreaker, 7-0. But the point is, uh, Tiafo was gifted a straight set win in the last round. Alcaraz went to hell and back. So Alcaraz should be a favorite. The line opened up at, I believe, minus 180, minus 190. And money has come in on Alcaraz. I'm not surprised by that. Alcaraz is the top three player in the world. First of all, we talked about fatigue briefly. Is fatigue going to impact your stance on Alcaraz in this match? Because assuming that they both had the same amount of actual rest, Alcaraz is probably, what, 300? 280? Yeah. Uh, I think what, what I see here is I'm looking at Alcaraz's past performances and, and I'm looking at Tiafo's past performances, and I think the fatigue factor of Tiafo being fresh compared to Alcaraz being not as fresh. I'm not saying that Alcaraz is going to be fatigued, but I do see this at least going four sets here. I think Tiafo is going to be able to at least win a set 
Um, and Alcaraz is going to at least win a set. But what I'm not looking at is the spread for Alcaraz here because of the fact that I think Tiafo could at least win a set. He could win two sets. I wouldn't be surprised if this went five. I really, really wouldn't. What we do know for sure is Alcaraz is not going to go down like Rublev did in three sets. He's going to go down with a real fight. Um, I really, really don't think he's going to get demolished here. So I do. I am looking at for sure uh, over three and a half sets. It's, that's at minus 210, and I'm not giving that, that out, but just... To, for the overall outlook of this match, I do think it's going to go at least four or five. Yeah, I think you're probably looking at a marathon. Uh, I think that Alcaraz could also be in danger of losing a set, maybe 6-2. I'm not sure if he's going to come out extremely flat in the first set. It would not surprise me if Tiafo just has the crowd going with him. The crowd's a whole separate discussion that we've had. We actually talked to Stone about it as well. We're not exactly sure what the crowd's going to look like in terms of breakdown because Alcaraz is the next phenom and with Nadal being out and with Medvedev being out and Kyrgios being out, a lot of people got tickets a while ago. And if they're going to go to the matches, they're going to see Alcaraz. So I do think he's going to have a pretty good fan base. But Tiafo's the American. So I think Tiafo might have a little bit of a home court advantage, but maybe not as much as he would have had, obviously, against Rude or Kakanov. So it's going to kind of cut into it. I do think Tiafo takes at least a set. I think that Tiafo can serve extremely well. And on top of that, he's actually been hitting a decent amount of first serves in terms of percentage. So that was really the Achilles heel of Sinner's game yes, or match. He just didn't make enough first serves when it mattered. And Alcaraz kept applying pressure because he was able to see a lot of second serves. Tiafo, if he serves well, Alcaraz will have a hard time returning. But I do think eventually Alcaraz is going to win the match. I think that Tiafo has been able to keep his nerve extremely well in this tournament, but he also has not been pushed that much. Rublev didn't break him in the entire match. Nadal took the second set, but we know T uh, Nadal couldn't serve for basically the entire tournament. His serve was a disaster and Tiafo jumped on him a couple of times and he ended up winning that match. Schwartzman, he should have dropped the set or two, but Schwartzman could not serve either. Uh, Kubor got hurt in the third set, but Tiafo was doing well anyway. And Giron is a decent player, nothing special. So I'm going to take Alcaraz in four or five I do think you're going to see a competitive match, at least early on. But I do think Alcaraz is going to force Tiafo to hit extra shots. And I've seen, historically speaking, Tiafo punts when things go poorly. And if I if Alcaraz pushes him, do I think Tiafo is going to rise to the occasion? If Tiafo is down 2-1 in sets, do I think he's coming back? No. So I'm going to take Alcaraz. I think Alcaraz wins in at least in either four or five sets. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I think Tiafo has a little bit of better chance. I think the crowd will also help him a lot. I'm not saying he's going to lose, but I just think if he's down 2-1, I've seen him quit too many times to assume he's going to rise up. Right, I, I understand that. I, I think he has a better chance to rise up, honestly, because of where he's at and because of the crowd, but it, it, mostly because he's in the semifinal now. You know, This is the farthest he's ever been, and he it's a big, big moment, so I really think that Tiafo is live to go five here. Um, do I think Alcaraz is going to pull through in the end? Yes. But what I'm really looking at in terms of the betting market here, as we see over under 39 and a half, um, uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily want to touch it because of what you said, 
uh, the, like the chance of him getting broken a few times in a single set. Where you also me. might get a tiebreaker. So uh, yeah, you also might get a tiebreaker as well, right? Alcaraz has been going tiebreaks, but um, uh, I, I this is not a, a, a one that I really want to touch the over under, just like the last one. But when I look at the spread at plus three and a half or plus four and a half Tiafo versus minus three and a half Alcaraz, minus four and a half Alcaraz. I'm going on the side of Tiafo here. I think he has a better chance of covering that spread versus Alcaraz. If it does go five sets, then definitely he has a very good shot of doing that. And I think he has a good shot of going five sets. So I'm I'm looking more on the side of Tiafo things or the over in the total gains because of that uh, instead of going on the side of Alcaraz dominating or winning handedly. I think that's fair. I think I'm going to lean to the over. Because Tiafo has gone to at least one tiebreaker in four of his five matches up to this point in the event. He also went to a tiebreak against Rublev in the second, went to a tiebreak against Kubler in the third, had a 7-5 set against Kubler as well. He's had a couple long sets. And Alcaraz went to two tiebreakers against Sinner. He also had a 7-5 in there. And besides that, he had three separate 7-5s. So he hasn't gone to many breakers per se. He has gone to seven games in a set a couple of times. And I do think if Tiafo can serve well, which we've seen him serve extremely well up to this point, I do think that you might see a couple of matches, not to Rublev's degree or a couple of sets, where you just don't have many break chances. So I do think I'm going to lean to the over because I do think you should get at least one breaker in this match with potentially four sets. So I'm kind of blindly leaning to the over there. I don't feel great about betting it, because Alcaraz could show up and get absolutely just ha- and just he could show up and get smacked if his phys- if physically he just does not respond well, or he looks like nothing's wrong with him and he dominates. Because I think if Alcaraz is fully healthy, he could blow Tiafo out. So it might be in the middle. I'm expecting it to meet in the middle, and I think as a result, I'm kind of going to lean to the over. I also did not mention before what the head-to-head stats were between them. And to go through those numbers, they did play once back in 2021. It was on clay, and Tiafo actually won. Tiafo won 6-4-7-6 on clay in Barcelona. So they went to a tiebreaker on clay. was about a year ago, different surface. Alcaraz is more comfortable on hard court than clay. But so is Tiafo. So does that tell you anything that Tiafo's actually done well and won 2-0 against him in his home country? Because he beat him in Spain. I, I can't look too much into it. I mean, I understand they they played against each other, and this is Al- Clay was Alcaraz's surface, but it's different circumstances, uh, very different circumstances when it comes to semifinal of a Grand Slam and what Alcaraz and Tiafo has been doing in this tournament, which would will affect them uh, to a certain degree. So I, I'm not looking at that. I think it's very interesting that that did happen. I didn't even uh, recognize that that did happen in Barcelona back in 2021. I forgot about that, but uh, I'm not. Even, I'm not even looking at that. I'm not even considering that when it comes to this match in particular. I don't think I'm really looking at it either. But I do. Th- I just found it fascinating, and it called me off guard that, especially in Spain, and we just saw Alcaraz win the tournament in Barcelona, beating the likes of that was Barcelona, right? That wasn't Madrid, where he beat Nadal and Djokovic in the span of two days. Oh, yeah. Uh, Does Barcelona right or Madrid? Before, right before the French. Um, what was that tournament? I believe that was Barcelona. I think it was. I'm going to double check on that real quick. But the point yeah. is Alcaraz looked a lot better 
in his that, home country. That was Madrid. That was Madrid. That was Madrid. Okay, so my bad there. Okay, fair enough. I knew it was one or the other. Either way, point is he beat him in his own home country. I do think Tiafo can hold his own. I think he's proved that. I like him to hang around. I just like Alcaraz to win. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Okay. So now, since we covered both matches, I'm going to ask you, Sam, any actual things you want to add, or should we just move on to the final segment? Well, I mentioned the player props for the other match. This one I don't like as much because of the fact I think Tiafo has a good chance of staying in it compared to where I think Rude is going to be able to find the win for sure in the fourth or fifth set. So I have a little bit of doubts of going to either of the unders here or the overs because I really, I don't know. I think Tiafo can get to the fifth set here. So it scares me to go either side. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I was just asking because I thought it was an interesting discussion since um, we kind of covered everything, but technically we did not cover player props. So I wasn't sure if he actually wanted to dive into it or not. Uh, besides that, though, uh, you ready to move on? Let's do it. Cool. So we're going to talk about our favorite plays from the semifinals. But before we do that, we have another quick word from our sponsor. We're also brought to you by Fubo TV. If you watch football, you need Fubo TV. Fubo TV gives you complete coverage of college and pro football with NFL Red Zone Plus games in 4K at no extra charge. Over 100 channels of live sports and entertainment for a fraction of the price of cable. Watch on all your devices and never miss a game or an episode of your favorite show with the included cloud-based DVR. Plus, there's no contract, no commitment, and you can cancel at any time. Right now, you can try Fubo TV for free for seven days and get 15% off your first month. Just go to FuboTV.com slash SGP. That's F-U-B-O-T-V.com slash SGP. For all you sports bettors out there, I want to tell you about the best new way to increase your bankroll. It's called PromoGuy.us. At PromoGuy.us, you can get the biggest bonuses from all the best sports books in the country. We're talking $1,000 risk-free deposits, insane odds boosts, and most importantly, the best analytics in the business, plus tons of free picks as well. PromoGuy.us is your guide to betting smart. Once again, that's PromoGuy. US. We're also brought to you by Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. And they also just passed 4 million users. And now you could win money on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money that you put in. And with the NFL season right around the corner, Sleeper is the first sports contest game built into the fantasy experience. The main reason why I'm excited about the over-under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I could join my buddies' contests and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I could see and copy my friends' picks with just the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. On your mobile phone, join our listener group at uh, on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash SGP, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash SGP and you'll get $100 matched on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. 
We're also brought to you by Run Your Pool. Run Your Pool is the home of competition, bringing sports fans and their social circles together to compete, connect, and make every game more important. Run Your Pool offers every game type under the sun, from Pick'em and Survivor to Fantasy Pools. It's a one-stop shop for sports gaming with customizable features that you don't get anywhere else. We've teamed up with Run Your Pool to host a pool for our official SGPN NFL Survivor Contest. Hop in now to reserve your spot, $500 cash, plus a $250 gift certificate to the SGPN store to the winner. Sign up today over at play.runyourpool.com SGPN. That's play.runyourpool.com SGPN. We're also brought to you by Odds Trader. On this podcast, I've mentioned time and time again the importance of shopping your lines. And while it might be annoying to pull up several books to find the best line available for you, it takes a lot of effort. And luckily for us, Odds Trader does the work for you because Odds Trader is the perfect place to compare odds from all the major sports books in one central location. You can also compare the different sign up codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal when you initially sign up. The app provides you with player statistics, key game stats, injury reports, and projected game day weather for betters to make the most informed bets possible. It also has a bet tracker feature so betters can keep records of all their games and betting activity. Go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire, oddstrader, the number one site for all of your game day bets. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. We just finished previewing the two semifinal matches, but now it's time to get into our favorite plays from those matches. Sam, I'm going to let you go first. What is your lock for the show? So uh, we mentioned it before, and uh, I talked about how much I liked Casper to win this match in, a, in four or five. Could be three. Don't think so, but could be. Um, I'm going with the under 20 in the Kashanov player prop. I just think that number is way too high. We discussed it before. If there is a tie break that Kashanov wins and it still goes for on Rude's side, um, then we still probably hit the under there because if you'll have 13 games left to just get a push, 12 games you win. So 4-4-4 four, four, four there, you, you still win the prop there. 5-4-4 four, four, you push. So I'm, I like that under 20 and minus 120, and I'm going to lock that in for my lock for this podcast. Cool. And what is your dog? My dog, I'm going to go for a juicy, juicy payout here. Um, I think Tiafo and Alcaraz is going to go into a, a war again. I think Alcaraz is going to be able to come out the victor, but I think it's going to be really tough for him once again. It's really tough to go five sets, three straight three straight times for three straight matches, but I'm still going to go for this one. I'm going for Alcaraz in five at plus 550. Uh, I think Tiafo has a good chance to stay in this one. I think he has a good chance to take a set even early which would help him a lot for the match. But I think Alcaraz will pull off the win. So I'm going to go with the 3-2 Alcaraz at plus 550. Well, I do want to ask, if you want to play it safer, you could take Alcaraz to win and both players to win a set. So in other words, Alcaraz in four or five at plus 155. Do you prefer that? Do you want to let it ride? I'm going for the plus 550. Okay. And for me... I'm going to go to the same exact lock that you have. I'm going to go with the under 20 games on Kakanov. I simply put, think that even though he did a very good job of making it up to this point, I do think that Rude is the better player. I think Rude is going to wear him down with his consistency. And Rude's movement was especially impressive against Berrettini. 
And I do think he's going to force Kakanov to hit a bunch of extra shots. You mentioned the first serve percentage for Kakanov, which was decent as a whole against Kyrgios. He just rose to the occasion in big moments. But Rude is really good at returning pretty much almost every serve because he stands so far off the court. And Kakanov doesn't serve in volley. So I think Rude is going to keep a lot of balls in play, force Kakanov to hit a lot of extra shots. And I think that'll be his undoing at some point. So I'm going to go with the under 20 games here for Kakanov at minus 120. And for my dog, I'm going to go to the same exact match, and I'm going to take Casper Rude to win and both players to win a set. So in other words, Rude in four or five, and that pays out at plus 145. I just think that Kakanov, after going five, is in his biggest match of his career. I think Rude, who's been here before, is going to rise to the occasion. I'm not picking him to sweep. I think Kakanov's good enough to take a set, but I do think Rude is going to be too consistent and a little bit too quick for Kakanov to handle. Give me Rude to win in four or five sets, in other words, at plus 145. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I definitely agree with you. I think that Rude is going to get there. Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to sweep or not, but uh, because I think a uh, hell of a lot more of, of Rude than Hoshanov, but I fully understand where you're going at. Well, worst case scenario, if Rude does win in three, then at least I win the lock. Yep, so that is true. It could be worse, I guess. I just think Rude's go. I think I think 20 is just too high. I think Kakanov wins a set. So that's kind of why I'm kind of grouping both together. I think you could have a competitive match where Kakanov keeps it close, but still loses in four. I'm expecting a competitive four set loss for Kakanov. Fair enough. So, I understand that 100%. Uh, besides that, though, uh, time to officially wrap up this episode. We'll be back once again for the actual men's final, which we're looking forward to. But before we actually get into the official farewells, Sam, let the people know where they can find you. Uh, I'm I'm be here on this podcast always. I'm not sure if we're going to do another podcast for the final. Uh, we'll have to see about that. But I'm assuming gonna... we will. We'll assume that way. You worst case fi- is worst case is I'm going to do it myself. So we should be able to do it. All righty. Sounds good to me over the weekend. Should be, yeah, you should be able to. Uh, but yeah, you'll find me at, at Sam Jacob Tennis on Twitter, putting out some uh, controversial opinions, putting out some big plays, big moments out there, some highlights. So you could catch me on there to see some great tennis content. And you can find me on Twitter at Reichel Radio, R-E-I-C-H-O Radio. Besides that, have a lot of other podcasts that I'm working on. Have WNBA gave out the uh, game five predictions for this past game uh, for yesterday's game. Did pretty well on the show. I like Connecticut plus the points. I like the under. I had John Quell Jones under 15 and a half. Very good day for me in the WNBA. Besides that, also did the NFL gambling podcast, did an episode with Terrell for the Thursday games. I like Buffalo. I had Stafford interception. It's been a good week so far. We have NBA coming up. Uh, we're going to be doing some division breakdowns there. And yeah, just keep them busy. A lot of content, a lot of fun. Uh, I know that Sam and I are thrilled that college football's back and you have the NFL, which had game one today. Hopefully the games are better because Buffalo absolutely destroyed the Rams. But either way, uh, we're going to be back at some point later on this week, or at least I will be for the final. But until then, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone. 